quite sure there'll be differences. There'll still be no risk and no biscuit. <laughs> Just part two. That is Byron Leftwich, your brand new Buccaneer offensive coordinator. This is A Few Extra Bucks, your podcast on pewterpirates.com. First, we'd like to thank our title sponsors, of course, House of Brews and Lutes on the corner of Northdale Mabry and Van Dyke and Sea Dog Brewing Company, two great locations, Treasure Island on the beach and Clearwater, Florida. Great brews, great food, great service. Check our co-title sponsors out. We love them. We appreciate them. Uh, I'm going to bring in Justin Thomas, who's pulled down a lot of Lord Byron Leftwich sound. I thought he was very impressive in his press conference. You know, I covered him as a player for a little bit. It was always respected him as how steady he was as a pro, but I thought he had a lot of interesting things to say, Justin. No, I agree. It's going to be exciting. And then we have Buccaneer insider Roy Cummings. Uh, before we dive into Byron Leftwich, uh, Roy, uh, we've kind of had a chance to uh, gasp for air a little bit after this Buccaneer season. Are you, uh, uh, have you, have you taken time away from football? Are you still locked in? I'm still locked in, man. I mean, uh, I'm sitting at home uh, every weekend watching the uh, the playoff games and following everything with the Bucks, obviously. And uh, no, man, football season doesn't end uh, just because yeah. the games end. In fact, I, I look, I, I think fancy it this way too. A lot of times, the off season is a lot more intriguing uh, than the regular season, and uh, certainly, I think that's the case for the Buccaneers this time around. Um, obviously, new pieces coming in, a lot of new stuff. Like what we're hearing from Byron Leftwich, I like the idea. Hey, no risk it, no biscuit, two point man. Look, every uh, every update, you know, iOS, whatever, uh, went from Lion to Mojave to whatever, whatever we got nowadays. Uh, it all get, it always gets better. That's good. I want the NRNB caps, the uh, the acronym. I mean, the, the Buccaneer marketing department must be in heaven right now with the. Uh, the, the Arians hats, the no risk it, no biscuit, all the stuff going on there. You know what? And you talk about the anticipation. You know, it's tough covering this Bucks team. You know, they haven't made the playoffs in years. They haven't won a playoff game in years. But there's always hope in the NFL because unlike really Major League Baseball or the NHL or even the NBA, you can turn it around quicker in the NFL with a good draft and with some quality free agents. And, of course, a head coach like Bruce Arians who brings so much to the table. Yeah, you can turn it around, you know, quickly in the NFL. You certainly have that opportunity. You know, I, th- I don't know, I don't know the numbers exactly, but it's like every year there's three or four teams that miss the playoffs that make the playoffs the following year because you know there is so much parity and it is so close. Um, I think the average is like three to four teams a year that miss the playoffs the previous year end up making it the next year. Um, and you know, everybody has a lot of fun, obviously at the beginning of the season, you know, trying to figure out which those team, which teams those will be, um, the bucks, you know, for a while have been, uh, I know two years ago, they were certainly in that category of people thinking that they were going to be one of them, uh, just hasn't worked out yet. But, uh, I, I got to think that maybe people will, will look at it a little bit differently this time. You know, here's the best thing right now. One of the best things about this is can really question uh, Green Bay's choice of Matt LaFleur as a, as a coach. You can check really question Arizona's choice of Cliff Kingsbury as a coach. Uh, you can question some of the other decisions that have been made with coaching uh, hires here in, 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 the recent, in the last couple of weeks. I don't think you can question at all what the Buccaneers did. And uh, guys, I will go out on a limb and say the Buccaneers got the best coach in free agency. I mean, that's what, that's what the coaching hiring, you know, 
season is. It, it, it's it's coaching free agency, and the Bucks won free agency and with, with Bruce Arians. They've got a guy who's done it, who's been successful, well-respected throughout the league, got a darn good game plan, and look at the staff he's putting together. It's people who have succeeded before at this job, and it's just exciting. It's exciting, and that's what makes it so exciting. So exciting. And I just feel like with everything that has happened with Bruce Arians, and we'll get to Byron Leftwich in a second. Byron Leftwich, uh, you know, it almost kind of indicated that, uh, you know, he knew he was talking to Bruce Arians throughout the season and thought something like this would happen. It makes me think, Roy, this has been in place for a while. You saw the body language with Dirk Cutter during the season, really throughout the year. We knew we know Jason Light's relationship with Bruce Arians, and we know Jason Light's in a tough spot too. So when you're a general manager – or you're an athletic director, you always had that short list, and you saw the excitement Jason Light had in that Arians press conference. This seems to have been in play for a long time. Mike, you know, I said it in our, uh, I believe it was our previous podcast, if not that one, the one before that. We like to be out front here at pewterpirates.com. Um, we like to be out front on our uh, Few Extra Bucks podcast. I've always said, people ask me, you know, what's the job of a beat writer, um, you know, that covers a team? My job, I always said, was to make sure that the fans who follow this team and read what I write or listen to what I say know what's going to happen before it happens. And I, I believe we were out front. Uh, look, we weren't the only ones saying Bruce Arians was coming. I'm not saying that. Um, in fact, uh, I don't think anybody was really sure that he was coming. But at the end of the day, um, what we do know is that uh, he's here and um, – and, and, and I think you're right. I said it, you know, long before it's become kind of the narrative that Bruce Arians was the plan all along. And that plan's been in place for a while, maybe a month or more. And I think it's a good plan. I hope he can stay healthy. You know, his heart is in it. You know, he loves coaching. You know, the broadcast medium wasn't getting it done. But I think really... Uh, you know, he said recently that if he can turn around quickly, he'll walk away. You know, obviously, if they won a Super Bowl, he'd walk away. And I don't think Bucks fans would have any problem with that. You know, that's exactly what they want from a head coach. Now, all of John Gruden's foibles, I don't think they would trade that Super Bowl given, you know, everything that happened afterward. A Super Bowl is a Super Bowl. You look at franchises like the Atlanta Falcons. You look at franchise, franchises like the Jacksonville Jaguars. They don't have a Super Bowl ring. It's very hard to get. You want a guy to take you to the promised land, and sometimes you don't care for how long it is. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. The, the problem, uh, no, no one should want to ever give away that Super Bowl, uh, despite what's happened in the 10 years hence. Um, the, the problem with John Gruden was he was great at building a team. He wasn't great at rebuilding a team. When the Buccaneers yeah. needed to be uh, retweaked, retooled, as Bruce Arians says, um, he didn't know how to do it. He did it with old players, broken down players, and uh, and and it cost this uh, franchise and it's cost us dearly. Um, it just yeah, and, and you know what? The acquisition of, of John Gruden was uh, hurt the team too. Uh, there's no doubt about that. That's how desperate the Glazers were at the time to win a Super Bowl. They knew they were right there. They were on the cusp, and they knew that they had a team that was capable of doing it. They just needed someone to finish it off, and. Um, Look, I'll, I'll go to my grave forever saying that I believed uh, uh, Tony Dungy would have done it. Uh, the Glazers didn't believe it. Uh, they went and got John Gruden. That's great. They won the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, giving up two first-round uh, picks, two second-round picks, uh, the cash, 
And then the fact that John Gruden and Bruce Allen really just are not, you know, team builders, uh, unfortunately, you know, has crippled this franchise for a decade since. But um, I think they're on the right path again. This hire has a, feels a lot to me like the John Gruden hire in the fact that I think Bruce Arians is a guy who can finish things off. And what I like even more, well, almost as much about the hire is that, yes, you've got a proven head coach who I believe can finish a team off that is on the cusp of being playoff ready. Um, and I think once you're playoff ready, once you're in that tournament, anything can happen. Uh, I think he's capable of getting a team to the Super Bowl and winning it, no doubt about it. Um, what I love about uh, the other thing I love about this hire is that in some of the people that he's got on his side, Goodwin, uh, Leftwich, uh, some of these people that he's brought in as his coordinators and, and, and stuff, I think he's got one of the potentially next Sean McVeigh's there. I, I think Byron Leftwich, Goodwin, I think these guys are people who a lot of other people around the NFL are looking at and saying, that guy's going to be a head coach someday and he's going to be a good one. Uh, I think the Bucks have their next guy in-house already. I'm going to say Bruce Arians may be the best hire in Buccaneer history, Roy, if he wins the Super Bowl, because to me, he gives you the John Gruden kind of take you home, take you to the finish line factor, but he also can play nice with general managers and play nice with Jason Light. And if John Gruden could have played nice with Rich McKay, who knows what this franchise would be right now. It could be one of the best ones in the NFL, and I think that's so important. And Bruce Arians, to me, is a guy who can feel comfortable in his own skin at so many levels. We see it at a, from a press conference standpoint, but we also see it from an ego standpoint on his staff, which brings us to Brian, Byron Leftwich, the brand-new offensive coordinator who met the media on Friday. Now, Leftwich is a guy who's been around. I think he's good for Jameis Winston in so many ways. Like Jameis Winston, he was a first-round pick. He was a seventh overall pick. Played in the league for nine years. If he hadn't had some ankle injuries early, I think could have had some more time in Jacksonville, had some stops in Tampa and Atlanta. And then at the end, he had a stop with the Pittsburgh Steelers where he met a guy by the name of Bruce Arians. And to me, it was kind of an interesting dynamic in Pittsburgh. You had Bruce Arians as the offensive coordinator, and then you had Byron Left, which is the backup to some guy named Ben Roethlisberger. And we're going to start the sound from Byron Leftwich's press conference. And I thought it was interesting when he was asked about Bruce Arians being a quarterback whisperer. And <laughs> he kind of translated that to not only a whisperer, but also kind of a motivator in different ways. Here's Leftwich on his relationship with Arians on being a quarterback whisperer with he and Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. I remember him. We were in Pittsburgh. He cussed me out one day. I wasn't even playing. And I knew it was for Ben, you know. <laughs> and it's just having an understanding of just the dynamics. It was not the time to say that to Ben. It was to say it to me so I can relate it to Ben, you know, later on, two, three plays later. And that's just having that sort of understanding of the position. To me, there's so much good about that statement, Roy. You could bring Byron Leftwich in as an up-and-coming offensive coordinator, not working with him before, but not only have they worked together in Arizona, but they have, you know, that's when he was a head coach. You go back to the days when Arians was calling plays in Pittsburgh and he played under him, and now he's going to help Jameis Winston in that quarterback room. There's a lot of good there to, for me to digest. There really that. is, and it's kind of interesting that – Byron Leftwich feels like he's been a coach, you know, for years because he was he was kind of the the go between between Bruce Arians and Ben Roethlisberger, and now he's coaching a guy who's very much like 
Ben Roethlisberger. Because again, that that's you know that's a compare that is a comparison that James Winston has had since college. A lot of people have said this guy's a lot like Ben Roethlisberger. Now Byron Leftwich will tell you he doesn't know that yet because he doesn't know James Winston yet. He's seen some film. He likes what he sees, um, but he doesn't. He admits you know yesterday in his press conference that you know he still doesn't know James Winston. You know what makes him tick? What does he really do well? What does he like to do? What does he not like to do? That kind of thing. You know what's his mindset in certain situations? He'll learn all that. And he may learn that he's completely different than Byron Leftwich, but in terms of physical stature and everything else, the way they play the game, the way they kind of move around in the pocket, those kind of things, in terms of the physical side, he's very much like Ben Roethlisberger. And I think, you know, so you've got a, a young offensive coordinator here, uh, and, and, and my gosh, he's he already knows kind of what uh, what it is that he's working with because he's worked with the guy before, so to speak. I thought it was interesting in Leftwich's press conference that he said that uh, back in when he played, he saw Jameis Winston play at Florida State and really respected his game. And even back then, thought he was kind of like Roethlisberger. And, you know, you never know in life who you're going to work with down the road. So let's fast forward to the year 2019 where Leftwich kind of, you know, echoed what you said earlier in the podcast, Roy, that at this point, you know, these coaches, especially new coaches who have their hands on all this talent – they don't want to do press conferences. They don't want to do all this media stuff. They can't wait to get out there and play with their new toys, so to speak. And, you know, Leftwich said last year in Arizona, they had so many injuries. He had so many rookies playing, but it was great for his career because he had to adapt and work with so many moving parts. But now he has all these weapons here in Tampa. And I think the offseason, we're going to find out what weapons return I think the only troubling part of the Bruce Arians era so far is the fact that he's trying to work it out with Deshaun Jackson. I really don't want this guy in Tampa anymore. I don't think he's good for Jameis. I don't think he's good for that locker room. Maybe the only guy who can save Bruce Arians is Deshaun Jackson. But here's what Byron Leftwich said about the future of Deshaun Jackson with the Bucks. Anytime you have players like that, I mean, you want as many as those guys as possible. Um, I don't know what happened here in the past. I'm not even worried about that, to be honest with you. I'm so focused on the future and the players that we have. I'm so excited just watching film, just really not getting here not too long ago, having the opportunity to really get my eyes on the film and see what these guys did last year. I mean, this is a unique group, special group, and I'm excited that I get the opportunity to work with them. Byron, I can tell you're already media savvy. That was a very politically correct answer. Roy, I'm going to make no bones about this. I don't want DJX on this team next year. I don't. I understand why, and I agree with you, but only to a point. Um, the Buccaneers got Deshaun Jackson because they needed the speed, and they're still kind of lacking that. Uh, Chris Godwin is not really that speed element. Um, he's he's more of a he's kind of in between. You know, he's not a big guy necessarily like Mike Evans, but he's not a speedy guy like Deshaun Jackson. He's going to be a top level receiver, uh, in my opinion, but he doesn't have that speed that really. Uh, you know, makes teams game plan against you. And, and the Bucks need that um, because this scheme is going to be very much like uh, Dirk Cutter's scheme in a lot of ways. It's a downfield passing scheme. In order to open up those underneath routes, you've got to take out a safety and a cornerback. Um, and, and to do that, you've got to have speed. So they need the, the player, but they don't need that player. They don't want that player. Now, the, the difference is, can Bruce Arians kind of get some kind of a guarantee from Deshaun Jackson and, 
you know, so, that, hey, he's not going to be a problem. If you come back here, and, and I think Bruce Arians will do this. I mean, he basically said um, in his press conference that, hey, if you, if you can't get it right, you can't play for the Buccaneers. And I think it goes in terms of uh, you know, not just, you know, running the right routes and, and all that stuff, but it's having the right attitude. And I think that I don't think Bruce Arians will jeopardize this team's potential for success by bringing back a player who he's not confident will be all in. And, and I think if any moment he, uh, he sees that uh, Deshaun Jackson is not all in, he'll probably say, OK, it's time to go. Yeah, I just feel like uh, to me, there's too many mitigating factors. You know, I agree with everything you said about the downfield threat. You know, you look at New Orleans this year, <clears throat> excuse me, when they lost Ted Ginn, that kind of hurt the offense because they didn't have that compliment to Michael Thomas. And that's going to help them quite a bit. Every every team needs a downfield threat. You look at the Rams, they have Brandon Cooks. You go down and you know down the list of every team. But Jameis Winston, to me, is fragile a little bit right now. And Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich are going to help break the seal on some of that fragileness, I guess. Deshaun Jackson, to me, is not a good locker room guy, and he's not good with Jameis. For some reason, that just doesn't work. I think we know why. Jameis, you know, that's not really his biggest strength, finding guys down the field. So I think, yeah, maybe you bring in somebody else, but I just think D-Jax has kind of wore out his welcome, and let's move past him. Let's get to Jameis Winston. Uh, Byron Left, which I mentioned this earlier, saw Jameis Winston play when he was an NFL player at Florida State and really respected his game and thought he was a lot like Big Ben, the guy he played with in Pittsburgh. But Jameis Winston, you know, I think it's this was an interesting thing that Bruce Arians said after his press conference to the local media that he thought last year it was important to have one quarterback. He didn't like the shuffling of Fitzmagic and, and Jameis and back and forth. And obviously Dirk Cutter couldn't help the early part because Jameis Winston was suspended. But he wanted to make sure Jameis Winston knows he's the guy entering the season. And Byron Leftwich addressed that at his press conference. I think it's a very important thing. Uh, I've been in as a quarterback um, going through this league. I've been through the highs and highs and lows of lows, right? So I always tell guys I've been through the blender. I've been a franchise quarterback, and then I was a guy that nobody said can ever play, you know, and that's just part of playing quarterback in this business. So as a team, the the locker room knows. The locker room knows who the quarterback of this football team is. We know who the quarterback of this football team. We as coaches just got to do a better job of putting guys in position and making sure we're doing the right things day in and day out. Well, that just sounds like a crafty veteran. Been through the blender. I love that. I mean, I, I like a lot of things Byron Leftwich said in his press conference. I think he's the perfect guy to be Jameis Winston's mentor in so many ways, Roy. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it's a real good choice uh, just because he's been there recently. Uh, it's not something that's uh, foreign to him. He, you know, he's, he still understands how, the, you know, how this current uh, era of players uh, thinks and acts and everything else. I think that's really important. Uh, that's going to help him uh, relate to Jameis Winston extremely well. Not that uh, uh, Mike Pajakian couldn't. I think he and Dirk Cutter did a tremendous job with Jameis Winston. I really do. Uh, people who don't see see the the, the, the strides that Jameis Winston has made um, just don't understand how the game is played. Uh, but he's made great strides under those guys. But I just think he can take more strides with uh, with Byron Leftwich. And I, again, I think the fact that he was a quarterback in the NFL, um, that he was recently a quarterback in the NFL, that 
that he's uh, he's just he's been through as he said he's been through the blender. James Winston's going through the blender. Uh, this is somebody who can directly relate to James Winston and say, "Hey, kid, listen, I was there, man, and this is how you got to do it, and this is how this is done." Uh, the Bucks, unfortunately, really didn't have much of that. Um, you know, they had it with Ryan Fitzpatrick, but at the end of the day, um, and, and that's important. That's important. But when your coach is telling you, it, it's, it still carries a little bit more weight. So uh, I think this is someone that Jameis Winston's going to develop a lot of confidence with, and that's really what this is about right now. With the way Byron Leftwich is talking. Uh, it's about rebuilding Jameis Winston's confidence, which I think is a big part of what has to be done here. Um, I think Jameis Winston came back uh, looking to do a little bit too much last year. I think we all agree with that. And, and he struggled. And I think he lost some confidence. I think he started to get it back late in the year. Um, but they need him to play confident football. And the best way to play confident football is to know you're the guy. And a couple of mistakes aren't going to get you a seat on the bench. So you go out and do what you got to do and play smart and play hard and you'll be fine. If Byron left, which has been through the blender, I don't know what the good metaphor for Jameis Winston is. Maybe a few car washes. I mean, it's, he's been through unbelievably amount of stuff and a lot of it's self-inflicted uh, at the age of, uh, you know, 25 years. So yeah, he, he's really good in so many levels for Jameis Winston. It was brought up. You brought it up, Roy. You know, Jameis Winston trying to do too much. He got better at the end of the last season. But, of course, turnovers have plagued him much of his first four years of his NFL career. Byron Leftwich talked about fixing the turnover aspect of Jameis Winston. Here's what he had to say. I got to learn Jameis. I got to learn how he think, how he execute, uh, what he does well, what he don't, maybe not do so well. And then I got to get those things better as a whole. And it's tough to say exactly how to do that because – it's different reasons for turnovers, a lot of different reasons for turnovers. And as the quarterback, we all understand it goes on you every time. So you got to watch them. Once I get an opportunity to watch them as a whole, see what really caused the turnovers, get a chance to know Jameis, really know him. Because like I always say, you can't call plays for a guy until you know a guy. Because the, our personality is quarterback show in our play. Regardless of what anybody say, I think your personality shows on how you play. So I got to get an opportunity to learn this kid. And once I get a chance to learn Jameis, then I can answer those questions. Right now, I'm just trying to look at the personnel, see the players that we do have on this team, and just think of ways of trying to get these guys in position so they could be successful. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. I mean, that's just perfect, Roy. I mean, to me, Bruce Arians, uh, you know, I think a lot of people, we, we talked about this all last season. People get all carried away with who's calling plays. And and and, and Brian Leftwich even brought it up. You know, I'm going to be a little different. You want him to be different. You want different voices in that room. But I love the confidence of Bruce Arians to bring in somebody like Byron Leftwich. It's a collaborative effort calling plays. We know that, you know, I covered the New Orleans Saints for the last 13 years. And Drew Brees talks about how it's more stressful every year in New Orleans because he and Sean Payton have been together for so long. That playbook was like a, a phone book from Lutz to begin with. And now it's New York City. I mean, there's all kinds of options now. But I love the fact that Bruce Arians is a guy, A, that leaves his ego at the door. B is not threatened by anybody, and C recognizes that Leftwich is perfect for Winston. I thought Leftwich said all the the perfect things that you would want, not only as an offensive coordinator, but a guy who's going to work with Winston. Yeah, you know it's pretty hard to to lose the opening press conference, um, and and Byron Leftwich won it. There's no doubt; he definitely won it. Um, it's what he does. You know, it's what he he, he look. He, he knows exactly. Uh, 
the situation he's in trying to groom a young quarterback. And, and that's what gives you a lot of confidence uh, about his ability to do it. Um, he's been there. He's done it with some kids already. Uh, he, he's got a good idea of how to do it because he had it done with him. So, um, and what I like about what he said about Jameis Winston and the turnover stuff is that he's got to learn Jameis Winston. Yeah. You know, yep. about a third of all turnovers with a quarterback, interceptions, are, are not his fault. They're, they're the result of a pass being tipped, uh, a pass rush, you know, that, that uh, forced a, a bad throw and the ball just bounced the wrong way. Defense making a great play, receiver running a wrong route, uh, wrong read by somebody. Um, about two-thirds of the of a quarterback's uh, turnovers are on the quarterback, but about a third are not. And that's what and that's what Byron Leftwich is saying. What he's saying is he's got to learn Jameis Winston. He's got to learn what happens. You know, what, what, what does he do when uh, on certain plays? How does he respond to certain uh, pressures and coverages and things like that? Uh, and as soon as he learns all that, uh, then he'll have a better idea of how to correct Jameis Winston's mistakes. Um, you know, fans, and in terms of the play calling, fans don't realize that, yeah, there's one guy calling plays, but there's not really one guy calling plays. Right, you know, exactly. There, there's a, you know, somebody has to make the final call, but, you know, the conversation a lot of times in the most, you know, critical situations, you know, third and eight or something like that is, you know, hey, what do you think here? What do you think here? You know, hey, if we don't get this uh, first down here and we're facing uh, third and 12, what are you thinking? You know, because uh, you're always a step ahead of the play. As soon as you call, you know, the play on second and second and eight, uh, you're thinking, okay, what, what's our call on third and eight? What's our call on third and, you know, 14? What's our call on third and two? Um, so, you know, you've already got that mindset. And, and that's why, it, you know, you've got those 40 seconds and they're important. But that's when conversations happen. And uh, the fact that you're going to have, Bruce Arians there, you know, as a voice in uh, in Byron Leftwich's ear, along with uh, uh, Charles Godwin, I, th- I think you're going to, you know, it just helps this team a lot. Before we get to three and out, this just popped into my head, Roy. This is why I love podcasts, because it's, uh, it's not scripted a lot of the time. It's free flow. We don't have pre-show meetings. We say what we feel and uh, just kind of roll with it here. But I think Jameis Winston is extremely fortunate. And I hope he realizes that because a lot of quarterbacks who are talented throughout all of the years of the NFL, they don't get the right help. Maybe they don't get the right coach to believe in them. Maybe they get a coach who gives up on him too quick. They just don't get the right support. Maybe it's like a, a David Carr doesn't have the right offensive line when he comes into the league, doesn't have enough protection. But Jameis Winston, he's made a lot of mistakes on and off the field. But now he has both Bruce Arians and a guy like Byron Leftwich, who not only are going to be good for him, but they believe in him. And that's sometimes rare in the NFL, Roy. Yeah, it is, especially at a time like this for Jameis Winston when he's coming off of, you know, let's face it, it was a lost season for him. He he started, he missed the first three games. He, you know, the the, hey, the, the whole cloud of uh, off-field problems still, <laughs> excuse me, hanging over him. Then he, you know, then he has a, a, a rough start, loses his job, comes back, plays better. But, you know, a lot of people call him for, uh, you know, for him to lose his job and be, be cut, you know, entirely. Yeah, the fact that these guys believe in him, that, that's a big boost for him. A big boost. Huge. I mean, right, huge. Yeah, it's huge. It is. It's huge. And right now, I've got to think that Jameis Winston probably feels as good as he ever has about going forward in the NFL because he knows he's got he, – he respects Bruce Arians. He knows Bruce Arians. Look, he didn't really know 
uh, Dirk Cutter when Dirk Cutter came. He got to know him over time, and he, certainly he respected him and, and, and believes in what he had to say. Um, so that's important. But he knows Bruce Arians, and he knows Bruce Arians' track record. I just got to think Jameis Winston is going to go into this uh, season as confident uh, as he's ever been, uh, largely because he knows these guys do believe in him. And you know what? I think he also has learned he's made mistakes, obviously. And he's also – he knows what he has to get better on the football field because of Fitzmagic, uh, because he was benched, all these s- the suspension, all that stuff. So you hope in his heart he knows that, boy, it's rare to get this kind of opportunity again and to have so many guys that believe in you. That is so rare in the NFL, often with quarterbacks. Okay, Justin, you know what time it is. You know, I have these three and out questions uh, scripted sometimes. A lot of times we'll get on and I'll just kind of make them up as we go here. Sometimes I'll plan them in advance. I'm calling a late audible. All this quarterback talk, you know, I want to throw this one out at you first. These are three questions and we're out of here. And remember the, the deal, Roy, we have to have Justin answer them first because, you know, it makes for a better podcast because Justin <laughs> feels like, I know you guys are usually on the same page. Often I'm the outlier the goofball who likes, you know, Michael McDonald and, and likes uh, Billy Joel over Elton John and, and all this stuff. So we'll have Justin go first and then Roy, and then I'll be the idiot who goes third. So the first one of our three questions and we're out of here, who should the Bucks backup quarterback be next season? Fitzmagic or Ryan Griffin? I think this is one where Roy and I are going to disagree, but I say Ryan Griffin. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick has talent, but it seems like it, he always peaks in early, and then after that, you never know what you're going to get. So I'd like to see Ryan Griffin, see how he would do as a backup QB. I don't, right, Roy. I don't totally disagree with you, Justin. I, I do want to see Ryan Griffin get, a, get more of a chance. Uh, I think he's deserving of it. Um, I don't know what Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich think of Ryan Griffin. We know that Dirk Cutter um, thought a lot of of uh, Ryan Griffin. And I think uh, Jason Light does too. We don't know what Bruce Arians thinks, but here's the reason I would take Ryan Fitzpatrick. In fact, I would keep all three yet again and go with Ryan Fitzpatrick, at least at the start, is because I honestly believe that Bruce Arians is here and because the Buccaneers believe that they are ready to make that jump to the playoffs, that they are a playoff caliber team that has just failed to play up to expectations and, and, and their talent level. Uh, for too long, and that they think they're ready to make that leap into the playoff uh, pool. And um, in order to do that, they're going to need a backup quarterback, Nick Foles type, someone who can step in, keep things going uh, for just a short period of time, hopefully three, four weeks at the most, you hope, um, and you know, and keep the, keep the train rolling. You know Ryan Fitzpatrick can do that. You don't necessarily know if Ryan Griffin can do that. And I, again, I think the reason that uh, uh, the, that uh, Bruce Arians is here is because the Bucks believe he's here to kind of polish off uh, a, a team that is ready to go to the playoffs. And I think the best way to make sure you get there is to be prepared that you've got a, uh, a, a quarterback who's, who's done it before uh, behind the quarterback who's your starter, should that starter go down. 
You know what? This is why I don't like going after Roy because I know how Justin feels sometimes. You know, sometimes I have an opinion and Roy changes the opinion for me. I'm going to say that <laughs> I, I agree with both of you. I, I think at some point, though, I mean, I covered Ryan Griffin in New Orleans when he backed up Breeze. At some point, we got to see what this guy has. And but then it's tempting to keep Ryan Fitzpatrick because he's that guy. He's not going to be the starter for you all year, but he could be the stopgap guy for sure. I lean towards Ryan Griffin just because um, maybe he could be that diamond in the rough. If Jameis Winston goes down, I think your season may be lost anyway. Uh, maybe not. Maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick could save it. But I just am so intrigued by Ryan Griffin. I think I kind of want him to be the backup because it's kind of put up or shut up time. Either this guy can play in the NFL uh, or he can't. I mean, how much longer is he going to go? with this promise tag. I mean, he has played so many years and still hasn't taken an official NFL snap. So I may have uh, just be a good battle in the preseason. Just keep them all and just be a battle. Let, you know, let the best man win, but maybe give Ryan Griffin more of a chance. I think he kind of had that chance two years ago, but he got hurt or he may have been the backup going into the season, but uh, I say keep them all, uh, but give Ryan Griffin more of a shot. All right. Championship weekend guys. Some great games on Sunday. I'm going to give you another do-over, okay? Who was your Super Bowl? I think this is the third time we've done this this year. I think at one point I had the Texans and the Falcons, so I am an idiot. But I'll let Justin go first. Yeah, I originally picked the Rams and the Chargers. Obviously, the Chargers were embarrassed when they played the Patriots. Uh, I think I'm going to change both. I think it's going to be the Saints and the Chiefs. I think that's probably what's going to wind up happening. I think the Chiefs will easily beat the Patriots. The the wow the Saints Rams game hot take. Will, yeah, that that could be a coin toss. The Saints Rams game, but I think it'll wind up being the Saints and the Chiefs. Saints Chiefs. All right, Roy. I can't even remember who I picked uh, <laughs> to begin with. Uh, I probably picked two teams that are no longer in the playoffs. I think I think you picked Atlanta for NFC, but I can't remember who you picked for the AFC. Yeah, um, I think Chargers are the Chiefs, but but down to the final four. I hate to say it, but I picked the Patriots because they just seem to find a way. And yeah. you know, I I just think that Bill Belichick will have an answer for Patrick Mahomes. Um, I'll be a little surprised if he doesn't. Uh, that's number one. Uh, and I picked the Saints over the Rams. Because I've said it all, well, most of the year, the Saints are the best team in the NFL, period. Um, I, I don't like that they've, they've slumped a little here uh, over the course of the last month and a half, or two months, I guess, now. Um, the last month of the season, not quite as dynamic offensively. Uh, defense was getting better, but um, I, I, I just think the team overall has, has slumped a little bit um, here, and, and I worry about that. But um, I still think they're the best team in the NFC, and I think they're going to prove it uh, tomorrow, and I think they're going to get in. And then I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. Wow. 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 But you still think Matt Ryan's better than Drew Brees, right? Well, yeah. um, There's no doubt. There's no doubt. (laughs) You know what? Do you guys – let me ask this before we get to my answer in the last one. Do you believe in destiny and championship teams? Is that – part of it at all or is that i i don't know if i don't know if i would call it destiny but i do think when you look at teams that win the super bowl they have a lot of things go their way lucky breaks yeah stay injury free 
Yeah, and I, I so I don't know if you would call that destiny per se, but I do think luck plays a huge factor in the teams that wind up winning. Yeah, I'm with Justin on this one. I, I, I don't know if that I believe in destiny, that, but, but I do believe that you, you, you kind of get a wave of, of emotion and momentum and you ride it. And, and I mean, I think the Chiefs have been riding that wave for a long time. The, the Patriots just know how to, you know, they just know when to win uh, and how to win at the most important time. Uh, but the Saints, uh, to me, um, I, I think that's a team that's – the Rams are a good football team. I don't quite feel the destiny thing with them. I feel it with the Saints. I just do. I just feel it with the Saints. And uh, uh, so, that, so yeah, I mean, if the question is, uh, you know, I, I, I think there's destiny there, and I think they're going to win it, win it all. Well, I, I wanted to ask you guys that first because I feel destiny with the Saints for a few reasons. Um, Justin Tucker hasn't missed an extra point since he was five years old, and he misses one, and that wins one game for him. The Bucks were uh, were just killing the Saints. Taysom Hill blocks that punt, changes the whole dynamic of the game. You don't see that in a lot of games. And then Alshon Jeffrey, who's a pretty sure-handed guy, just the, the pass right. right off his fingertips and Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, just too many things like that, man. It just seems to kind of add up. And I think the Saints um, – I talked to uh, Deuce McAllister, who I work with in New Orleans, and he said that not that you're not worried about the NFC Championship game, but he was more concerned about that first game because you had three weeks off, you got the rust, you never know how a team's going to react after that. But the fact that they came back and they won that game in that fashion against the Eagles, and the Eagles are a pretty good team, they're playing good football, I think they're going to be more than fired up. I think Jared Goff is vulnerable because the Saints are so good against the run. They haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher all season. Actually, Peyton Barber had, I believe, 69 yards against the Saints in week one in that big win the Bucs had, and he's the third highest rusher against the Saints all year. That just shows how good their run defense. If they can hold Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson in check, I think that puts a lot of pressure on Goff, and I think that's going to hurt the Rams, but we'll see. So I think the Saints will win, and – you know, Patrick Mahomes, I think, is one of those players that's always going to get his. He got his against Belichick the first time around. But I think, man, Tom Brady, that look in his eye lately, he loves being an underdog. That guy hasn't been an underdog in a long time. He loves it. That team loves it. You saw how the Eagles love being underdogs last year. That kind of carried them through the postseason. So I think that's going to be one hell of a game in Kansas City. But I think we're going to see a brady breeze Super Bowl, and we'll do a podcast next week on our Super Bowl winner. But I think it'll be interesting. Either Brady's going to further cement the fact that he's the best quarterback all time, or it's going to be Drew Brees, who has all the records, really being a part of that conversation. So I think it's going to be Saints and Patriots. Okay, we try to go kind of off the board on our last one. I don't want to get too political here. I may get a little political, but uh, (laughs) our president, Donald Trump, got criticized when Clemson went to the White House for giving them Big Macs and – I don't know, Burger King and Taco Bell and all this fast food. Uh, I thought it was kind of overblown. I, I thought it was kind of cool, actually. I, I didn't really mind it. You know, they're, they're college kids. Who cares? But if you could have – if you're going to the White House, um, I, it's kind of a, a two-part question. Did, did that bother you, the fast food stuff, uh, A? And B, if you went to the White House and you won a national championship or national title and whatever, what kind of meal would you want from the president? How about that? Ooh. That's that's Am different. I going first? Am yes, I going sir. first? Yes, sir. Mixing in a little um, politics here. We're getting dangerous. I know. Yeah, but, the, uh, seriously. Yeah. A lot of people don't like fast food either. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually more where I'm leaning. I 
I, I don't. I didn't have a problem necessarily with it either, Mike. I personally would be very upset if I went to the White House and was offered different varieties of fast food meals. <laughs> um, it's a great debate. But I, I, I get it. I guess maybe it's easier to feed a huge football team fast food. I know it was during the shutdown, and I think the White House claimed that as a reason why they didn't have a, I guess, a nicer meal. Um, honestly, though, in terms of a meal, I'd like to be surprised. I don't know if there's necessarily something that I would want to eat. I, as long as it was just well executed by a good chef, I'd be willing to eat anything. So, wow, how about that? I can't yeah. wait to hear Roy's answer. Roy, Roy surprises me. By the way, <laughs> really, Roy always surprises me. Once a podcast, he really hasn't surprised me yet. So I'm, that's why I'm throwing this in there. But I will say this. Roy surprised me when we first started this because he loves The Bachelor. And I tried to watch it with my girlfriend, Roy. I lasted like five minutes. And I'm like, I am so done with this. I can't watch this anymore. But anyway, go ahead. Keep going. I just want to do a little right, favorite. Right. Well, first of all, all right. Uh, uh, a little detour. The first <laughs> couple episodes of this of this season of The Bachelor, it's it's not quite up to the standards that it usually is. You got to get to know some of the some of the people involved. Then right. it'll change. Um, you, you need to sit there with your girlfriend and watch it. You'll you you will soon become hooked. But um, All right. All right. so All right. just, just hang in there. Um, it, hey, quality time with with your girl, man. That's 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 what it is. And you know, so it's an investment in the relationship. Um, oh, really? Okay. Right. Okay. Unfortunately, right. Big Macs are not an investment in the relationship. Okay. Um, th- that that was bad. Now, th- the, there's part of me that says, hey, you know what? If, if you're on the Clemson team, you're kind of thinking, hey, you know, kind of cool. We were part of history. You know, we were the we were the poor slobs who got fed Big Macs and and fillet of fishes uh, <laughs> at, at the White House. That don't go down in history. Oh, now you're going to the Dabo Sweeney. Oh, we're just little old Clemson again. That's yeah, right. right. Yeah. yeah, but. You know, if if I'm the White House, I'm like saying, hey, you know what, guys? I know we set this up, but, you know, I don't know. T- t- take them out to dinner somewhere. You know, set, set it up. Right. Set, set it up. Right. Pay, pay for the dinner. You know, let them, let them go to the Capitol Grill or something and let them order whatever the heck they want and take them to dinner, you know? and Because it's just a, a photo op with the president anyway. So, you know, let them go have a nice dinner. There were, there were a lot of ways to handle that. It was handled poorly. What What else is new? Um, but, uh, <laughs> oh, it was seeping. We're seeping in right now. Yeah. Yeah. Here it comes. But, <laughs> but, uh, in terms of what I would want, uh, at a meal, you know, I would just expect it to be special and, and I would, I would be glad with whatever they served. I, I would expect, you know, maybe some kind of a, uh, I would probably want a steak and potatoes type thing, but Hey, if they suddenly serve me, uh, you know, rock Cornish hens and, you know, something else, uh, I, I'd say, okay, you know what, whatever the White House thinks is, uh, is good. I'm, I'm ready. Interesting. <laughs> Cornish hands makes the podcast. I love there it. There you go. <laughs> um, you, you know, I, I think a lot of people would say I'd like fast food. I just don't want to be with Trump. I'm just saying that's, that's the whole thing. My thing is I think the White House experience would always be kind of cool. You know, I don't care what food is there, but if they're going to serve me food, you know, it's funny. Sean Payton was asked this week, you know, does he like uh, gumbo or seafood? And he's like, I'm a meat and potatoes Midwestern guy. I thought that took a lot of guts to say that. 
to the Houdat Nation who you know prides itself on gumbo and seafood and all that stuff. I'm with you, Sean Payton. I'm a meat and potatoes guy. Give me a steak, a baked potato. I'm good. My whole thing is you can say a lot about Trump and you know we can go crazy with that. And I know we don't want to do that in this podcast. My whole point with all this is there's a lot of things I don't agree with with our current president. But you know what? If he wants to give Big Macs and, and whatever, uh, you know, to me, that's like uh, I don't want to pick him apart. And I think the media kind of makes a mistake sometimes about overdoing it, always criticizing everything. And I thought that was an example of that. That's just my two cents. I think, you know what, we can we can uh, pick and choose our battles and I'm not going to fight the Big Mac battle with our current president. I wish he'd stop tweeting. I wish he'd stop doing a lot of things. If he wants to serve Big Macs, you know, if that's how you're going to make America great again, have at it. That's my two cents. Anyway, what do you think? We good? It wasn't a great meal, okay? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, you don't go to the White House expecting to get something I can get down on the corner, you know, for $5 or less, you know? The only way it would be okay is if the team asked for it, but I don't think that was the case. And like Roy said, take them out to a nice dinner restaurant somewhere around the corner. I mean, I mean, let me let's put know, it this right? way: I don't believe the White House staff is eating Big Macs and fillet of fishes. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't know. Apparently, Trump does like. Well, he does. Like yeah, Donald. but but He's I can with you that despite the government shutdown. Uh, the, the chefs at the White House are still working, and they're, yeah. they're not getting paid, perhaps. But and by the way, we don't even know if you know. We don't. That's the other thing. I'm not exactly sure if the White House staff is part of the group that's not being paid. My guess is they are, and therefore this was just a publicity stunt by the president. But oh, gee, what a shock that would be, huh? Yeah. <laughs> here, here, let's let's just close on this. I think Roy would be happy. This would be always interesting. If, uh, you know, whatever you want to serve uh, King Donald, you can. But how about we just watch The Bachelor with Donald Trump? That may just uh, be okay, right? Oh, that that would be interesting. I promise you that would be interesting. And we'll tweet tweet while we're watching The Bachelor with Trump. That'd be perfect. Yeah, his comments on the contestants would be be, uh, certainly uh, headline worthy. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, listen, we had uh, hens. We had Big Macs. We had Trump. We had Leftwich. We had Jameis. No, no podcast can touch us. That's another rendition of a few extra bucks here on PeterPirates.com. We love our co-tile sponsors, House of Brews and Sea Dog Brewing Company. Great brews, great food, great service. Thanks to our Buccaneer insider, Roy Cummings, and Justin Thomas, our voice of reason. I am merely Mike Neighbors. We will see you again. We're going to keep grinding this offseason, so subscribe. It's absolutely free, and I will talk to you down the road.